Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Selected Pros. First things first, I just wanted to thank the several of you who have sent me messages in the last week or so um, complimenting the pod and, and letting me know that it's it's helping you develop as a writer. That means a ton to me. Uh, that's why I'm doing this, to kind of help myself develop as a writer, but also to kind of share that wisdom. And I don't know, it's just really good to hear from you and know that it's not all for nothing. So thanks for the messages. Uh, really, really keeps me going. I also wanted to give a special shout out to my new patrons. Um, I Ben Gitkind, Gitkind, sorry, Ben, Michael Gerard, Blork, RJF, Triple Zero, Michael McSweeney, and Dev. Uh, really appreciate the support, and you guys are the best. I hope you find the Patreon worth your while. So that's that. This episode uh, is a good one. I sat down with Troy James Weaver. Uh, he's the author of Wichita Stories, Temporal, Marigold, Visions, and Selected Stories. His work has appeared in New York Tyrant, Hobart, the Southwest Review, and elsewhere, and he lives in Wichita, Kansas, with his wife and uh, his dogs, one of whom made an appearance in the episode, and I didn't edit him out because it felt nice to have a dog involved. So uh, enjoy. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, at Selected Pros. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because I'm slowly learning that the importance of that algorithm and uh, all the best. We've got great interviews coming up too in the next couple of weeks. Ali Robottom, Mark Leidner, Gary Steingart, Marcus Pachter. Uh, so I'm so excited for what's to come. And uh, yeah, enjoy. funny because like I always you know everybody always expects uh like when they ask somebody how they're doing them just to be like I'm good you know how are you mm-hmm. um and that's like the normal thing and they're always so fucking like caught off guard and you're like oh man I've had a shitty year <laughs> like you know it's like well you asked you know but they always look like I don't want to hear this yeah they're like well I'm gonna go say hi to Jim um and so when you're writing from multiple perspectives in a novel did you was that <sighs> was temporal in the first person third person uh for each for each of those characters it's it's uh in the first person for each character and they alternate parts and so how is that trying to like um differentiate between three voices like do you have someone you looked up to i'm thinking of course of like as i lay dying or something but it's it's got to be difficult to like make the voices seem different on paper yeah, I even I reference that in the book too. I, I always like if I'm writing something kind of, um, it's not really like an homage, and I think it's totally different from that. But um, you know, like um, I try to put those little pointers in there, like "Hey, you know, Faulkner, whatever." Um, mm-hmm. But the the thing that um, I didn't temporal, and I think it was like probably the hardest part was. Basically, like, if you have three friends and they all grew up together, like, through school the whole time, lived, like, close to each other, I don't know if you noticed, but basically their voices are pretty similar, you know? Yeah. The way they talk, the, the 
you know um but there's always like a certain thing one of them will say that's like totally different and so it's just like finding like those key words that only one of the characters like uses you know mm-hmm. um and that was that was it you know that's other than really... that they're basically like the same voice see that's like really valuable because i think the like intuition or the you know somebody's starting point would be well i've got to make these as polar opposite as possible and that's not really accurate like you said yeah you've got like shared experiences shared dialects like if, if all of it was wildly different it would almost seem to be too much i think yeah it'd be weird mm-hmm. <laughs> i think i started actually writing it in that way like th- that vein kind of thinking like oh they gotta like say a lot of <laughs> like have uh, way different vocabularies or whatever uh-huh. um but yeah they started seeming silly so i scrapped yeah. that idea <laughs> yeah yeah and uh i guess because we're talking about you know a book about friends who grew up together like when did you when did you start writing um i think or it was that's like... a tough question because we all started writing when we <laughs> learned how to write but like when did you start focusing on fiction um well i uh i'm a high school dropout and i uh i uh immediately like regretted it (laughs) pretty 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 quickly um and uh that's when i started writing i was like i had i had read a friend let me borrow some books um and i wasn't really a reader before that and um so i was like 16 or 17 ish uh and i was like oh shit i want to do this you know and so i started really um <laughs> writing a bunch of crap for like a few years and uh yeah but like i didn't um take it real seriously until i mean i took it seriously but i didn't you know like it's when you're 16 17 you're not like thinking about publishing right it's right just, like whatever um but i think i was like like maybe 23 or 24 when i started thinking about submitting things um and then i did i submitted things like way too early like i would like dr- mm-hmm. write something and i would be like this spend all night you know like <laughs> 10 hours writing something and be like this is fucking amazing there's no way you know somebody's gonna reject this and then I piled up like a hundred rejections, like pretty quickly, you know? Um, yeah. And I just kept doing that. And then I learned like, Oh no, like not everything's ready. The first day you write it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's, it, it, it takes a little bit though to like come to that realization. You're like, yeah. Uh, are you uh, like, uh, what's your experience? Uh, do you do a lot of workshops? Like, do you, do you do local stuff like online stuff? No, um, I did, I did one on, I did one online workshop, uh, like in, I want to say 2013 or 14. Mm -hmm. Um, that was really helpful to me. And I did it with Peter Marcus, who was, uh, he's kind of like, he kind of does like avant-garde stuff. His, his stuff reminds me of Beckett. That's why I wanted to take the class really kind of like stripped down, um, absurdist stuff with a lot of weird repetitions yeah um and 
uh, I took that class and I was in there with, uh, what's, I don't, I, I'm going to butcher how to pronounce his name, but Babak uh, Lakomi. The, uh, he has a book out uh, on Tyrant called okay. Notes. Um, but it was cool being in there with him because uh, we were into the same weird shit. Uh, so it was like, I don't know, because we were in the workshop with like, you know, um, people uh, writing all different kinds of things. And I think that's like probably your average workshop experience. But uh, like there was like, you know, 65 year old uh, lady in there that was writing like, you know, uh, weird kind of romancy stuff. And then, <laughs> uh, but then there was there was Babak and 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 me writing this really weird dark stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So that was nice. It was it was cool. Great experience. Yeah, there's something about like, especially when you and early on when you have the attitude that you're like, I wrote this thing in one night and it's fucking awesome. And then you send it to a workshop and you start to get some feedback and you're like. You're, you either go one of two ways. You're like, well, fuck these people. Or you're like, okay, maybe I, maybe my view of my own work isn't uh, entirely objective. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I had a story. I was I had the problem still when I was in the workshop of um, being too heavily influenced by people. And so I had this like really long story. It was like 20 pages. I can't remember the word count, but um, and uh <laughs> basically uh the teacher he was like yeah this is like a straight up barry hannah story like it's a good knockoff but like <laughs> you know like yeah. you wouldn't be proud of this you know if you published it or whatever mm -hmm. but i like i needed to hear it you know like yeah it's it's good to have <sighs> that for sure yeah um so something that's i think interesting about your writing is uh and I, I tend to love writers like this uh, and tell me if tell me if I'm off base, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that you don't know how to write a plot or something. I'm saying that it's not the most important thing to you. But like yeah. I definitely favor writers like Beck. It's a great example of like style over maybe like the more traditional elements. Uh, I think Celine's another great example. I don't know if you're a Celine fan, but uh, yeah, big fan. Yeah. I also, by the way, I saw in the news that they, they, they uncovered two more Celine manuscripts uh Whoa. one of them was in between uh journey of the or uh death on credit and journey in terms of chronology so it's oh, gonna be like yeah. a, it's gonna be like a trilogy and then the other one's a medieval fantasy novel well <laughs> <What? laughs> yeah so anyway but i tend awesome. to i tend to really appreciate style and i, I i'd love to just kind of hear your thoughts on you yeah, know I, the importance of style versus plot and, and what you're trying to do yeah, I, I, for me, um, for me, like style, um, style and voice imply plot. Like, I don't, I, do you know what I mean? Um, it, well, I think they're better. First of all, it's just funner to read. Um, I, you know, I, I know that uh, <laughs> I, I remember listening to John uh, Lindsay on your podcast. And like him being like, well, like both are good. You can do both, you know, or whatever. And I, I agree um, to an extent, but I think for me personally, the, the stuff I love um, 
is always about style and and voice too like a a, a really like scott mcclanahan you know like or like what do you how do you make the distinction i guess between style and voice they're kind of the same thing right yeah <laughs> um but i i mean i guess like mm, you can do certain things stylistically that are like structural you know mm-hmm. that aren't aren't like about plot but just like um i don't know doing doing certain tricks like turns a phrase and 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 whatnot that mm-hmm. that like uh <laughs> or again celine and his ellipses right that's like a a right. thing particular to his style that it's not necessarily voice right yeah but it, it also it also is the voice you know That's the ellipses true. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's you i don't think yeah i don't know yeah it's, maybe they're inseparable they're like the same thing but mm-hmm. i guess when i read like gary lutz like i love um the 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 sentences you know i love the the craft but for me like uh the voice is like there's like it's imbalanced there's not like a precise rhythm you know like it's it's a great sentence on top of a great sentence on top of a great sentence but uh there's like musicality to the sentences but i think like when you read a paragraph especially in the early stuff like stories in the worst way um they're like fucking confusing because there's like not like an internal rhythm Mm -hmm. you know yeah, my sense is that they leave you with, and, and I love lots, but my sense is they leave you more with like impressions and, yeah. and, but yeah, I mean, it is grammar or it is grammar oriented. Like she's so brilliant and knowing like how language works that it's just so experimental in that way, as opposed to like what you're saying, like a musical whole or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm interested in your thoughts uh, about Otessa Moshveg because she's somebody who I've interviewed, but that I've I've always viewed her as somebody with like quite interesting style. But then I also and like voice, and then but I also was recently at a talk with her where, uh, and I actually know just from talking to her that one time that like plot is is also important to her. But what are, are you a fan of her writing? I've read I've read every book, yeah um i really think people sleep on mcglue <laughs> that book is mm-hmm. great fucking great and i think one of her best books um so yeah, voice I, heavy it is and i think that on her in her other um novels i think the voice is very similar throughout um all of them. i don't think um she has a certain um yeah and maybe that comes back to style style being voice or whatever it is but um it feels like the the voices are pretty similar um Mm -hmm. with the protagonist um but they're just set in different times and you know like um like eileen um it's so oppressively bleak (laughs) like (laughs) you think you would love that though I do, um, <laughs> but like just the descriptions of of the winter and you know, and um, yeah, it has a special effect that it takes the course over you know like a a particularly bleak winter. 
Yeah. And so I think what she does like so well that a, a lot of people don't do very well is she builds an atmosphere um, with all of the books. Like the atmosphere is like almost as important, I think, as the character, like the main character um, in her writing, uh, especially like when you think of Eileen and the weather um, and the and then my year of rest and relaxation with just the apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the atmosphere is like almost a secondary character in all of her books I think mm-hmm. you know yeah um, and so on I know what you I totally know what you mean too it gives you this kind of it gives you all of her books give you this kind of like feeling of oppression and and like kind of grime and hopelessness like not yeah. from the words but from the atmosphere right. uh, I feel like cultivating an atmosphere like you said not a lot of people do it well is extremely difficult uh yeah what in in in, you know this is a tough question but what do you think are some of the elements that are like important to building a because i mean you build like you build a bleak and absurd atmosphere a lot of the time uh and so you know what is it just really like expounding on the feeling that you know the character this image was giving you when you started the story like how does somebody create a good atmosphere that is a tough question i well uh i don't really know i think um like a lot of it's just intuition so it's it, you know i think i think the details um are very important like even if they're like minimal like just um i don't know like i i I guess like almost like what you decide to focus on i mean yeah i mean yeah like the, the little things that like a lot of people won't focus on i think um are are like meaningful to the atmosphere you know like if you just like bypass you know like a a dirty air filter that's just sitting on the rug that hasn't moved in a month you know like that's like a detail you want to leave if you want to know the atmosphere or Mm -hmm. you know the 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 setting where you're at you know um and if you're the old lady in your writing workshop writing uh, airport romances, maybe the dirty filter isn't the most important detail to pick up on. Right. But if, right. You're, if you're writing something like you, then it is. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I, I but I, I do think um, it, it all comes back to like characters, you know, like, so like, you know, if you, if you start a story, um, uh you know i i guess like i i don't know how to answer that like uh you know it's like because like my my process is like i organically just go and like i start thinking about it as i'm doing it um but like it's kind of like like i said like intuitive like have i seen a person like this before like what would their atmosphere look like what would their environment look like um but then it's just on a line by line basis but really i think the 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 most work actually like the best um 
actualization of a story or anything is through editing and uh that's where you can like actually figure out where like oh well there needs to be a little more detail in this part you know it's like kind of jumps into this next thing um or um you know or like what the story's actually about once yeah. you're editing it's like yeah it's like you might have an idea but you might see opportunities to go elsewhere with it when you're when you're looking at it again yeah it's kind of like when you write something it's like you're um it's like you're making like a block of um you know like clay or marble or whatever and then when you edit you're just like sculpting it mm -hmm. you know? like a solid block of like what is this yeah it, it, it they only take form like when you edit i guess yeah no i agree that's funny it's uh you know that's exactly kind of like what sam pink was saying when i interviewed him and it was like su surprising to me that because you you a lot of the time you know when you're reading something especially something great and you're like uh you know you, you get the idea that oh well, this just came out of them right like they sat down they wrote this and um but it's just not the case. Like I, I was blown away by his editing process and uh, how the stories really come alive. Like at that point, uh, yeah. it's, it's not a very romantic view of like writing, but it's <laughs> like, you know, editing is, is crucial. For sure. And do you put yeah. stuff away? Uh, like do you put a story away for a while and come back to it? Or do you just, you like edit as you're writing? No, I, 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 um, I usually edit as I write. So I kind of, I kind of do the Hemingway approach actually, which is <clears throat> he would like stop uh, right when he knew where he wanted to take it next, he would stop writing for the day. And then he, the next day he would reread everything he had wrote the previous day. And then he would write beyond that and then stop right where he, when he knew where he was going to go next. Um, and I think that way, yeah, it keeps things fresh. So when you come back to it, um, it's like maybe even like more uh, details of where the pre or like maybe you forget where you were going to go even. Um, yeah, you, so, so, so do you end up oftentimes going, yeah, do you end up oftentimes going somewhere where you didn't know you were going to go the day before. So you're like, all right, well, tomorrow, you know, the guy's going to get on the boat and then you wake up the next day and reread it. And you're like, fuck it. He's staying on land. And like, you know? Yeah. 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 Because I think sometimes, uh, like I, I think intuition is important, but I also think you have to ignore it sometimes because sometimes you're going in the most cliche direction and you mm -hmm. just don't realize it at the moment. Um, uh, and I've had that problem when I've written like longer books. Um, well, none of my books are long, but like, you know, um, like 25,000 words or whatever, you know, um, where you get in a situation where like you've somehow created a plot um, and there's like this huge plot hole. <laughs> like you, it's like, okay. So you get rid of the last two thirds of the thing you've already finished and then you start it over. And when you start going, in a totally opposite direction usually it works better yeah 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 i mean it probably gives your subconscious time time too to like come up with maybe like a different approach to to that predicament or whatever yeah. uh yeah it's always tough when somebody's like well you know why uh 
you write this story and you're proud of it and it's long and complicated and they're like well why didn't he just go buy uh an over-the-counter uh supplement from cvs it would have cured his illness and you're like fuck <laughs> could have just taken vitamin d you know <laughs> yeah something like that it's very frustrating when that happens yeah for um, sure yeah but no it's, it's so uh and you have you have to you have to answer this you can't yeah. you can't say you don't want to talk about it but uh okay. I, i'm thinking sam pink i'm thinking mm-hmm. about editing and i'm wondering uh we've all got thoughts We've all got thoughts on Sam and uh, the Sam Sam Pink Sean Thor Conroe rivalry. Yeah, uh, I, and I I followed your thoughts intently on this, uh, <laughs> and I'd I'd love to hear kind of because I mean it is about style, right? We're talking about style and yeah, and atmosphere and uh, influences and stuff. So kind of well, to I me, mean, it's like yeah. Like, well, before we start, for people who don't know, we'll just say they have very similar styles. Sam's kind of an alt lit guy. He's published for a long time in his own presses and smaller presses. Sean got a book deal with Little Brown and uh, Sam wrote an essay, right? So yeah. about kind of the similarity. So what are your thoughts on like, yeah, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that relationship? Well, for me, um, yeah, like I said, like style, I think like it's the most important thing. It's like your identity as a writer. Um, like if I wrote a book and it was just like in Beckett's style, everybody would like be like, this is fucking bullshit. And you did that with a story and your teacher was like, this is Barry Hanna. You're right. Exactly. And, and so I, you know, it's like, there is, you know, the money plays a part in this too. I think that, you know, I, I think it's absurd that so many people are afraid to like say, um, Sam Pink's been doing this shit for a long time. That is his style. It's very clearly, uniquely his style. Um, yeah, you don't really come across, I mean, you never did 10 years ago come across these one sentence paragraphs. Uh, yeah. Extremely fragmented space yeah. in between the lines. I mean, that that's definitely like that was the, when I read person, I was like, you know, whole, you know, holy shit, I've never, I didn't know you were allowed to do this. For sure. And, you know, I mean, like, uh, for me, it's like, it, it is, uh, I, I understand why Sam would be pissed off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Dude same here. $200,000 advance for riffing on his style. You know, I, I don't know what the contents of the book are, you know, um, I haven't read it. I haven't read Fuckboy, but, uh, you know, I've been a Sam Pink fan for a decade, you know, like I feel like there's legitimate, I also thought it was shitty the way uh, Sean responded to his messages and it did seem manipulative to me. Um, And so that's in the essay, right? When he's talking about how he was essentially like called him out, he called Sean out and he was like, or, and then he's like, you're just my biggest influence or whatever. Yeah. 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 And then he like starts backpedaling, you know, and it's just such a fucking weird thing to me. It's weird that he like Sam is thanked in the book. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like the whole thing, it just then it doesn't sit well with me. But also, it's probably because, you know, I feel like uh, 
yeah, I, you know, maybe it's uh, bullshit that I'd feel this way, but I don't think so. If, if someone uh, wrote uh, very similar, <laughs> like uh, wrote a book very similar to one I've written, I guess, in the style that I write in, which is like kind of um, block, little blocks that are impressionistic and don't really, you don't think they're going to add up. <laughs> but they mm. coalesce. Right. And, and, um, I just, I, I don't know. I would be pissed off if someone got paid that was in the indie lit scene for fucking like less than two years gets paid 200 fucking thousand dollars for, uh, just riffing on the indie lit shit. Like mm-hmm. it just like fucking, there's so many other writers in this, uh, indie lit stuff that, that deserve it more. I think Elizabeth Allen, for instance, I think is one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's the thing that's interesting (coughs) to me about this, uh, this like debate too, is um, the difference between, or like there's such a huge gulf between indie lit and like MFA lit. And I say that as somebody in an MFA program and I'm kind of like, uh the the so for example in new york there's this bar called kgb bar right yeah and and uh, i i will often go to like you know with john Lindsay and ali robottom when they're there i'll go and shy watson's been there and you know those people and uh mm-hmm. i'll be like hey well you know I've, I've got these people uh at the mfa program who you know have publishing connections and and then they're pretty universally like fuck that you know there's like an animosity there and the the reverse is true too mfa people think like well i've got an agent and publishing connections why would i have house of lad come to our our reading and it's like so so to me the really interesting part of this dilemma is like the kind of that gulf between the writers who are doing it for the writing and I'm sure everyone's doing it for the writing, but the writers who are doing it for themselves and without like a financial motivation and then yeah. these fucking MFA people, right? Who, ha- it, it is a business oriented mindset a lot of the time, but then yeah. to like, kind of like dip into the former and benefit in the latter kind of seems like the issue. Yeah, that's that's the main issue. It's like, Sean was in an MFA program, right? So he's got this like, you know, this apparatus behind him that can help him. Um, uh, and we and do we just, have like agent days and stuff right i mean yeah and then he just takes he just takes something that they're not paying attention to and and then they're like oh this is fucking brilliant no one does this shit it's like yeah there are people that do this shit <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but um yeah i don't know but also like you know i don't have a fucking i don't have any problem with anybody doing mfa shit i don't like you know, I, I thought about doing it, you know, like, I was like, I need to go to college. I went to college for a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, uh, life. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I, I think that's the thing. It feels like poaching from this thing that is like sincere and like, um, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, like I said, I haven't even read the book. I don't, I, I don't know. I heard there's like people have told me like similar, um, like 
images even and mm-hmm. um stuff so like i don't know yeah i mean and it's got <sighs> the i there's there's you know there's excerpts out there and stuff but it has the you know something that's one of my favorite things about sam is kind of like the the socioeconomic position of his characters you're right like chefs dishwashers yeah. stuff like that and i mean that that that's definitely mimicked or you utilized in, in fuckboy for sure i mean there's excerpts out there i know he's like a postmates driver or something right so it's yeah it's uh i don't know how many of those guys are going to columbia but you know yeah <laughs> I, I don't know man it's um you know it's like um I the biggest thing I was upset about honestly even beyond that was to see how fucking cowardly people are about their loyalties to people that they backed for a decade and yeah, like so like, like they're just like I'm not saying shit about this like I'm not I'm not touching it. and it's like yeah I know why you're not you know like you want to have everybody close at hand like mm-hmm. it's very fucking clear you know <laughs> and, it, and that's fine but like fucking pick a side like no one picked sean's side really it was silence or sam yeah yeah it was just like fucking weird <laughs> you why and why do you think why do you what do you like you said that you know why why do you think that is it's simply just so that people have i mean it, there is a sense and like well because they re- want to pretend like they want to pretend like they're only going to do the indie thing. So they want the indie, uh, whatever it is, clout or whatever. And then they want to keep everything at arm's reach with like their friend who has fucking a little Brown deal. You know what I mean? So as soon as they can get their foot in the door at little Brown or something, maybe they don't want to lose that opportunity. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. 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 That that seems, seems accurate. (laughs) It just pissed me off. (laughs) <laughs> but i mean like, it pissed I, a lot of people off but you were you were more outspoken about it than most in like a good way not like you're being harsh or anything i just really appreciated i was learning about other than reading sam's essay i was learning about most of it through you oh no shit through Damn. twitter yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> twitter gets me in trouble sometimes but that was one case where i was like nah fuck that like yeah i don't know mm-hmm. and I, I i think it's funny like i don't know like you can I, I people are weird man like they won't even like talk to you about why you're saying what you're saying you know they'll just like unfollow you it's yeah. like like what good i don't unfollow people who talk shit like just fucking like you know engage with right. the problem you know I, I i don't understand it but I, I feel like that's uh the kind of like need to be loved and belong in social that social media cultivates i feel like that's just another extension of it you know oh yeah i i mean and i'm guilty of some of that too it's just like you know not guilty but i i do that too you know it's like i'm i'm not trying to piss people off or whatever uh yeah just like a like my two cents about a situation or whatever Mm -hmm. Well, and if you don't want to hear it, like, I, I think that's the thing. It's like, if we're fiction, right? If we're writers, how do you not engage with shit that you fucking disagree with or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, I, or, you know, like, I thought the whole point was to, like, 
understand different points of view. Um, that's for the, me, that's that, the irony of all of it, though. <laughs> yeah. Not it only is. with this whole issue, but just with every fucking issue. For uh, sure. Yeah. I I remember uh I remember I remember you you <laughs> you might remember this too. You made some some comment in support of Elizabeth Ellen and someone started yelling at you on, yeah. twi- on Twitter and then I and then I liked all your posts. <laughs> and then I got fucking subtweeted and they were like, look at this fucking piece of shit John John Lennon looking uh guy who yeah. uh he he's just everyone wants indie lit to be a safe haven for abusers and i was like i feel like that is just not it's insane <laughs> i was like what i it's i don't think fucking... that's the motivation really no but... it's fucking insane elizabeth ellen didn't abuse anybody she wrote an essay people didn't agree with <laughs> exactly that's the funny part it's like oh wait are you re- are you referring to the words that she wrote on hobart public uh, yeah, How it's fucking, yeah it's ridiculous it's so fucking stupid like yeah and and yeah i immediately got blocked and uh un- <laughs> you know whatever it was like all i said was your 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 arguments like tucker carlson or something <laughs> like you don't even want to engage with like an actual dialogue you know oh, you're like well i got my people over here who will agree with me no matter what so you know fuck these people and i'll just block you and i'll be in my happy space yeah it's fucking it's insane like people are i think becoming more and more insane yeah they are for sure but you know with this whole thing like i don't know who why shy away from literary controversy i want to have sean on because i've already had sam on and ask him about it do it he hasn't responded to my messages so uh he he won't because (laughs) he won't he won't talk about it yeah that's the thing i don't think he's responded or anything has he i don't think so yeah well, he's uh he he you know Sam said we could talk it out and record it. That would have been the best possible route for that. Would have been for On, sure. It, it would have been the best possible route for them to talk it out together. And, I will I like, will do it here. I will do it here. You should, but if you can get them, that would be fucking amazing. We'll do it live, dude. Because but, like uh, I know like you know. I've talked to Sam over the years here and there. We're not like like best buds or anything, but you know, he's not he's not a bad dude. He didn't do that out of malice, you know. Like, I, I and I really feel like if they did talk to like one on one, like I don't think it would get crazy. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I don't know. <sighs> well, hey man, I uh, I am uh. I got this manuscript called Marigold. I'm about to shop around to a few of my, uh, <laughs> a few of my MFA uh, agent uh, people. So uh, I'll give you like 20%. If... <laughs> well, they, dude, didn't Sean even say what do you want for it? I don't like, know. And one of those, and one, it's in one of the, um, like in the essay thing, in one of the, um, email sean sent he said i've talked to my agents what do you want for it <laughs> like he was trying to like buy like buy his silence right like that's, that's how i read it <laughs> like i was like are you fucking serious <laughs> if this is not a fucked up thing then why would you send that right i don't know right yeah i know it's uh there's definitely some guilt there for sure 
yeah it's weird yeah, yeah. but also like i i i hope uh i i don't like i don't want sean's book to fail i don't like i'm not like i don't want his life to be fucked up because of this yeah, no, it like, doesn't seem like it will be again because I don't think yeah. anyone from that sphere gives a shit about Sam's essay, and that's not like an insult to Sam. No, yeah, I just don't think sure. like Little Brown and agents in in New York City are, would care. No, they, yeah, they don't. You know what I mean? Which is frustrating, and that's the thing that's so interesting to me about indie lit was I was always up until maybe three years ago I was always uh, I was just kind of like a mainstream reader. You know what I mean? Like I read the stuff that people were reading, and then I was like, yeah, you know, and then I got into indie lit and i was like holy shit like why is this here yeah <laughs> like why is this on the internet uh you, like why does this have to be shilled on twitter but then like right. i've got to read like celeste how do i say her last name and i, I gotta read little <laughs> fires everywhere yeah and i'm yawning you know and i'm yawning you know it's no like yeah. it's just it's frustrating that that's the world that we live in uh, yeah there's nothing electric right now about like mainstream publishing that and that's not the case for indie literature for sure because yeah i think indie lit is doing what mainstream lit was doing in the 60s 70s and 80s mm -hmm. before it became like this we're selling shit at target kind of model you know, yeah yeah well, or like, whatever how do we get this to be a, a a limited series on netflix how do we get this novel to, to yeah. be on hulu right right yeah, I don't know. It's interesting times, but uh, I don't know. That, that's the interesting part of the whole argument to me is kind of, uh, and you you sort of ooze indie lit, right, in the best way. And it's kind of like the interesting part to me is not so much the ripoff, but the kind of like the economic sort of uh, yeah, esta think, establishment yeah. strings that are being maneuvered. I don't know. For sure. Yeah. Like that, that was, that's the part. You know, and I think people like hear that and they're like, oh, that's petty. But it's like, not really. I mean, why? Look, just, you know, look, look at the first page of Fuckboy and compare it to a Sam yeah. book. Yeah. It's undeniable, you know. And I also just, I can't help but feeling that if Sam, you know, went to Columbia or NYU, that he would utilize those connections but like his last book uh yeah. ice cream man and other stories like soft skulls big and stuff but that's decades in the making you know right. of like extremely yeah. hard work and, and all that so yeah for sure so but anyway well i'm glad to get your thoughts about it. i think it's going to be interesting when it actually drops uh whenever in the in the winter or what have you but uh yeah that'll be that'll be a new little new wave of, of discourse yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh um, i i think i'm gonna read it just oh to, of course yeah i will yeah. too fucking you're gonna pirate it <laughs> probably <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so you know like sam sam is i think a huge influence though on a lot of people like uh and it's cool to know that you've been reading him for decades and like i think what he did was show people that all the styles that are possible you know yeah all the room for maneuvering and you've got your own style and and uh, yeah there's a lot to be indebted to him and others for um but yeah we don't have to keep talking about sam but what what uh what where are you at now in terms of writing like are you 
is this something you're still, I mean, are you still interested in it like long-term or are you kind of taking a break or? Yeah, no, I'm still writing. Uh, I had a, uh, 2020, I did not write anything except for one story Hmm. uh, that did get published, which I was happy about, but, uh, like I, uh, yeah, I didn't write like at all. I, I, just because of, uh, I was going to ask why. Like, yeah, I don't, I probably just, yeah, the general state of things with COVID and the, you know, not being able to go out and do anything and not having any I was, experiences. I was furloughed for a while and it was weird. And I thought I would like spend that time like writing and I, I didn't. It was just like, um, really bizarre. And then, actually, like that's where uh, you know the uh, silly boys group chat kind of comes in. Is uh, I told them like, hey, I haven't written anything like all year, and they encouraged me to write something. And then I wrote a story, and it was published in the biggest uh, lit magazine I've been published in. So which which one was that? The Southwest Review. Oh, nice. What's the story yeah. called? Um it's called what should i call this oh i read that i remember yeah. when you posted that yeah nice man yeah, yeah there was something so, really strange about the like psychology of 2020 like i i was i was you know remote work and i had all this time on my hands and i was like now will be the time but your brain it's just almost like my brain was just stopping like right before wherever it needed to get in order for me to yeah. do that i don't know what exactly caused it but yeah, I couldn't function. <laughs> like, yeah. it was just like, I went to my job when I was working and uh, came home and literally, like, did nothing. Like, it was like, I didn't even read a lot. Like, it was a weird year. Like, I started watching a lot of YouTube videos. I'm like, oh, what kind? Like, Conspiracy I, I like stuff? No, no. <laughs> I, I like I like stupid like paranormal shit mm. <laughs> like I, mm -hmm. I just think it's fun um you believe in ghosts? a lot of yeah I was asked that in the last podcast I did <laughs> oh yeah 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 I think I I think yeah I do but like I don't I don't know if they're dead people or like just projections of your imagination or like uh like I, I don't know what they are but I do I do believe uh and ghost whatever mm -hmm. the fuck that means but <laughs> yeah i don't know it's a strange strange universe we live in so it is strange man but that's i i think uh I, saunders famously believes in ghosts george saunders yeah. and uh oh, yeah there's just you have to have you have to have some but like i really like that tao lin is all in on aliens now yeah, yeah, dude. You you've got to have some sort of belief in like magic, something a little bit supernatural to even like give a shit about art. I think. I, I think, think so it's, too. I think it's really hard to just be like a complete empiricist, like atheist, like non spiritual, whatever, and have no beliefs other than the physical, yeah. and like care about writing. Well, it's like it's like insane to me, like um, you know when people talk about logic and reason and, and science, right. Those are all great things. I, I, I read a lot of philosophy. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, the great, whatever, but, uh, you know, it's like, 
the human mind is like very limited and um like you know like how much discovery has actually happened you know as far as science goes as far as i mean there's a, there's what we perceive as a lot as our like you know okay well i can see this galaxy six million light years away but we still you know don't really know anything you know? and even like your average person like you and you and i who like aren't physicists for example we don't even have any idea of what we don't know of what is already known <laughs> and, th- and yeah and they're like nowhere close to knowing one percent of what is to be known yeah and like if, even like 0.001 percent right what you know i mean it's like an infinite galaxy and it's expanding like yeah. how, how the fuck uh, it's just like a weird when people are like nope you know nope it's like <laughs> what do you mean what the fuck do you mean no nope. i mean obviously there's there's no aliens i mean obviously yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously i mean there's there's the what they said like uh you know so many planets that resemble earth out there now like like a lot of them and they're discovering like new clusters of them like Mm -hmm. it's like y'all are i don't know i know you think you're smart but like having an open mind is probably the best policy (laughs) yeah i agree it's really really funny to like my my favorite thing is uh my least favorite thing my pet peeve is when people use this phrase they say well the reality is and i'm like (laughs) shut the fuck up like what yeah. are you saying right now? who are you who do you think you are you know what i mean <laughs> well yeah especially because like <laughs> especially because like reality is totally subjective to each and every person <laughs> and totally different for mm-hmm. every person you know like right we don't live in the same realities from human to human so yeah yeah, you know, this all makes more sense to me, like when these conversations are had as to like why Cormac McCarthy like like lives in a, a physics department in Texas, like only studying physics right now. And I'm like, because eventually it's like, I don't know. I, I just think I was that's honestly, that's part of the reason I was so excited about like Tao and Leave Society because of like yeah. some so, someone like us trying to like navigate like a scientific understanding of the world, which is, I just feel like, yeah, we're like at the cusp of some really unbelievable discoveries. Uh, I, I, I want, I want to read that Cormac book. Did you read about that? I like read about wrote, it. I don't think it's out though. Right. It's not, it's not out. Like I was wondering how it's going to be pulled off. I don't know. <laughs> He's been working on it for like about, 15 years or something. Yeah. Writing about scientists. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I don't okay. know. It's it's interesting, but yeah, there's a lot of like ego and especially with writers and stuff. And I think it's really healthy to be like, you have no, it's actually very freeing to be like, you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. One of my professors like pointed out that his favorite thing about Tolstoy was how he would just like get into the head of a horse and start doing dialogue from the horse's perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> you can't be wrong. You know? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. I mean, like there's no, the, yeah you can't <laughs> yeah be a little bit more creative believe in the magic a little bit you know for sure yeah but i mean that's why we read i think <laughs> it's like that's what fascinates me about people that read fiction that are like empiricists or like yeah just like 
well i i can't believe that i was why the fuck do you read fiction then? like <laughs> you're like reading it because there's some party that be- like believes in the magic of this thing that is not real right right or at least at least wants to you know what i mean right right i just think yeah. it's probably so overwhelming for people like uh, and also scientists have a lot of ego too you remember that thing that floated into the universe or to our solar system uh that giant like sh- aircraft called a muamua i don't know if i i don't Dude, know if i'll i'll send you this but it was like it was like one guy it was like the harvard the head of the harvard like uh, astronomy program and he was like that oh. is an alien spacecraft well, we've done all the tests it's nothing else and everybody else was like it's a rock just shut up it's a rock. <laughs> <laughs> just shut the hell up he's like no it's it's not so i don't know what i'm i'm where i'm going with this but it's it's good to keep that mindset alive i think i think so yeah yeah and, i mean it's fun too it's not always serious it's just like fun <laughs> like it is fun why what I mean, like, be a wet blanket about everything. Is, right. That's so fucking boring. Yeah. I can't engage, like, with anybody. Yeah, I, like, I think it's funny, um, too, like, I, I did a tweet about, uh, like, Bigfoot or something. Um, and it was, like, just, like, a, a joke. I don't know. I was, like, watching videos about big feet. Bigfoot. <laughs> Big feet. There's more called, than one. <laughs> they should be called Big Feet. Yeah. Um, and then um, Brad Phillips messaged me and was like, "Why do you say this? This is uncanny." <laughs> and I was like, "Why?" And he was like, "Because I'm talking. I talked about it on a podcast that isn't out yet, or something." <laughs> and I was like, I, "I, I, I didn't read it. I don't know what you're talking about, but." <laughs> uh. He's like, hey man, he, he, multiple people can hold views on big feet. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, good one. I like that. You should tweet that. That's a well, yeah. I was tweeting about the hollow earth for a while there, and people were like messaging me, like, you all right, dude? And I was like, Yeah, I mean, it just could be hollow. We haven't really gotten <laughs> yeah. that far down, you know. No one's explored the core. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know. So well, that's awesome, man. So can I ask, what uh, what are you reading now? And are you working on anything now? Or have you anything in mind for the long term? Um, I just finished a story today. Um, Congrats. Very, sh- very short. It's like 300 words. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. I hate that term, though. Micro. I, I hate that term, too. Yeah. My, and micro <laughs> sounds like a emasculating like- physical disability. <laughs> they're just like it's like there's those terms are all weird to me like novella novel novelette like mm-hmm. just a fucking book man yeah <laughs> you know well where are um, we how are we gonna market it on amazon troy if we don't know what it's called that's why they do it yeah i know <laughs> it's fucked up makes me mad <laughs> but uh it's like uh going back to beckett like he had things that were like 40 pages that he called novels mm-hmm. you know I thought that was badass, you know. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, but also, yeah. So, finish the story today. Uh, what else? Uh, what was the whole question? No, just uh, <laughs> what you're reading now. If any, if you're reading anything good, and uh, yeah, what your projects are. 
Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, I I read Leave Society recently. Loved it. I think Tal has really grown as a writer. Um, that was my favorite favorite that of his books. Definitely my impression when I read it. It's like a new level. Yeah, and I love I I loved it. I uh, went through it really quickly. Um, and then um, I've been I uh, have been reading Omen Setter's Luck. Nice. By William H. Gass. And I love that. Good Ohio um, boy. Yeah. And I just read, uh, I've read it twice actually, about Zach Smith's book that's coming out on Moomoo House. Oh, shit, um, man. I just got that in the mail from, from Moomoo House. So I got to read that. Is it pretty good? It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty fucking good. I nice. liked it a lot. Um, a lot of absurdism. You'll dig yeah. it if you like yeah. that shit. Um, of course, uh, uh, Big Bruiser Dope Boy, uh, Something Gross. I just great. reread it again. Great book. So, yeah. And you know what? He he has similar style to Sam, but what's but it's also different. Yeah, he he um, it's very different. I think like um, like I could see people trying to be like, well, he does it too, but it is it's different. Yeah, there's and it's similar, a, and he loves the guy. It's like it's like clearly homage. Like he, I think that there's like a Sam character in something gross. Like it's it's like a yeah, proper yeah, homage. There, there is, I think, yeah, and and um, yeah, like I've actually talked to him about that. Like, and uh, he's like, yeah, I know, you know, there's like a similarity, but I don't think it's like a direct lift, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's no, not. It's... He does. He does those blocks, you know. Mm-hmm. I was. I started rereading Narrow Rooms recently, which is like. All right, man. Well, hey, dude, it was a absolute pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, same, I'm, man. I'm so, I'm so glad we finally got to do it. And hell yeah, yeah. So I'm I'll, stoked. So. Yeah, hell yeah. It's been like a year in the making. I think it, it really has. Point. I did take quite yeah. a hiatus. I was really getting tired of it. I was really busy, but. uh but yeah i i i i I was the same way i was like i can't do it that day you know yeah yeah i hope you have a good night yeah man you too it was it was a pleasure and i know i'll talk to you soon yeah don't be a stranger